You're tuned in to the Kojo Namdi Show on WAMU 88.5. Welcome. All this month in our new Kojo Connect series, we're looking at economic inequality and the effect the pandemic has had in making disparities worse. So, let's begin. Later in the broadcast, we look at potential solutions to this economic crisis and what local and state leaders are doing to help the thousands in need during these unprecedented times. But first... Let's take a look at where things stand with our national and local economies. Which groups of people have been most affected during the past 10 months? Are we heading in the right or wrong direction? And how is the D.C. economy faring compared with other cities and the rest of the country? Joining us now is Tazra Mitchell, Policy Director with the D.C. Fiscal Policy Institute. Tazra Mitchell, thank you for, for joining us. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having me. First off, could you briefly tell our listeners exactly what the D.C. Fiscal Policy Institute is and does? Sure thing. Uh, D.C. FPI is a, I like to call us a think and do tank. So we uh, are researchers and advocates who uh, do research on the state of the economy uh, with an aim towards ensuring that the economy is working well for everybody. Um, and so no one's left behind and everybody has the resources that they need. So we're laser focused on poverty and economic opportunity uh, with a particular focus on fiscal policy. So using the state, or using the district budget and tax code as a tool to advance racial justice economic, as well as economic justice. That said, what does the economy look like right now? Is it recovering or is it worsening? Right. The economy is... Um, Definitely worsening. You know, yesterday's inauguration and celebration was historic and a breath of fresh, fresh air. But all of us woke up this morning to new labor data uh, that is a sobering reminder of just the continued challenges that we're facing. So there are about 20 million Americans out of work or facing reduced hours, and our layoffs are rising. Um, and, and all of the new data is just showing that this increase underscores that layoff, layoffs are increasing just as the virus surges. So as the virus goes, the economy goes. Until we can get the pandemic under control, we will continue to see high unemployment rates, particularly for women, for black and brown workers. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so what we're seeing is that economic inequality has definitely been worsened by this pandemic, and there are no signs of, of relief. In the past, D.C. has largely been viewed as recession-proof. How has that been the case, and why are things different this time? Sure, that is a, a, is a common label that D.C. gets. So when, they, when the economy tanks, um, in D.C., our government-anchored workforce is often what insulates us from the worst shocks. So in D.C., federal jobs account for about a quarter of the jobs in D.C., compared to about 2% nationally. So in past recessions, large boosts in federal spending have definitely benefited D.C.'s economy as the recession unfolded. Um, in past recessions, manufacturing and mining were hit really hard, but those aren't really huge industries here in D.C. However, um, under COVID, we literally had to shut down our economy to save lives, um, hitting some core sectors in the D.C. economy far harder. So hospitality and tourism are really large industries here in D.C., and those have been walloped by the health crisis, and there have been scores of jobs that have been wiped out over the last um, 11 months. So while we are usually a bit insulated, uh, private sector jobs are, be are growing as a higher share of our, of our workforce overall, 
but you know the industries that are hardest hit have just been really core to our economy. So you can't really protect. <laughs> There's not much that we, we could do to to avoid some of the worst shocks, just because this recession is quite different. Is your dog with the DC Fiscal Policy Institute? He he <laughs> or she seems to want listeners. to once seems to want to have a say in this conversation. <laughs> I just um, adopted a very uh, vocal dog, so I apologize to your listeners as I adapt to working from home. We listen like many to, of those across the district. We listen carefully to every voice on this broadcast. Any particular news this morning? Sure. So the, so the data released this morning uh, was federal da- data. So what uh, we saw from the Department of Labor was that um, we just saw the unemployment insurance claims data. So 1.3 million Americans applied for unemployment benefits last week, and that's an uptick of about 113,000 claims. Uh, and what's really striking to me and hopefully to your listeners is that this was the 44th straight week that total initial claims were greater than the worst week of the Great Recession. And many of us can remember the Great Recession. It was the worst economic downturn since the 1930s. Thousands, tens of thousands of people in, in D.C. lost their jobs and, and were thrown into economic distress. But what we're seeing in the district is that uh, an unprecedented job loss that continues to, to stay quite elevated. Um, and, you know, the shocks of this economy or recession isn't being felt equally across the district. We know that black and brown and women workers are are really bearing the brunt of the recession. And if we look at unemployment rate, and at the latest unemployment rate in D.C. came out in November, and that was above 7 um, percent higher than what it was at this point last year. But if you look at, at unemployment rate data by the by ward, we're seeing rates in the teens for wards seven and eight east of the river. And we know that um, those are wards that are majority black wards. And uh, if you compare the unemployment data, we, the, the rate is about three percent in wards two and three. So. We're seeing huge shocks to our economy, but ones that are not being felt equally across across the the, the district. Well, um, last month we saw that uh, 140,000 jobs were lost, and of that 140,000, this was the first decline since April, and of that 140,000, women accounted for all of the job losses. Um, can you? That's a startling statistic. Can you talk about how yes. that how that happened and the significance of it? It's very significant, and it's going to have ripple effects for our economy for quite a long time. So the pandemic has particularly pummeled women, both in D.C. and across the nation, because they tend to work in the hardest hit industries like education, retail, and hospitality. So, like you said, employers cut over one hundred forty thousand one hundred forty thousand jobs in December. Black and Latina women accounted for nearly all of the job losses on net. White women, like men, actually gained jobs in December. Um, and add that to child care responsibilities, and you have what economists are calling it a she-session. So we're seeing more and more women dropping out of the workforce, which, again, uh, hurts our long-term economic recovery, but also the decades of progress that we've gained. And for women, as well as, as, as other workers, Whenever you lose income, you're not only hurting in the moment, but you're, that also means that you're putting less money aside for retirement. Um, you are able to, to save less to get you through the next economic storm. And it just means that you're less likely to spend 
money in the local economy and support local businesses. So there are ripple effects to this she session and deep recession that we're experiencing. Also joining us is Eileen Applebaum, co-director with the Center for Economic and Policy Research. Eileen Applebaum, thank you for joining us. Uh, Good afternoon, Kojo, and I'm really, really pleased uh, to be here with you. And we are pleased that you are here too, but let's take a step back. What does the national economy look like right now compared with how it looked this time last year? Well, uh, it, it's the worst that it's ever been. We have we have never had a president take office facing an economy that has been as devastated as this economy has been. Uh, and uh, it, it's going to need so much help uh, to turn around uh, the, the unemployment rate is rising. Uh, COVID has not actually peaked yet. Uh, more businesses are going to shut down. Uh, we, we, we've already seen uh, how many uh, people have lost their jobs uh, just in the last year. <clears throat> you know, the, the uh, increase in joblessness over the one-year period is 10 million people. That's a, that's a lot of people to reemploy. Uh, some of them are in these essential uh, had, had been in these essential industries. Uh, some of them have been care workers, uh, child care workers. Those, those uh, businesses have shut down. Uh, very, very little has been done to preserve uh, the, uh, the child care system uh, up to this point uh, to uh, make sure that uh, small business got the PPP loans. Uh, that were supposed to help them. Many of them went to very large corporations, including mm-hmm. those owned by private equity. Uh, so uh, the money had, the money that we did have uh, in the CARES Act, of course, a lot of it did reach workers and was very helpful. That extra $600 a week in unemployment insurance, uh, the $1,200 that came to families, uh, 500 for children, and to adults and 500 for children. I mean, there were a lot of things that were done that were a big help. They were allowed to expire. People were in desperate situations. Uh, the supplement that was passed in December did not go very far. Uh, it, it, it had nothing in it for state and local governments, which uh, are suffering and where a lot, a lot of the job losses uh, that are currently occurring are actually among teachers, firefighters, uh, really uh, necessary local employees that provide uh, just important services to their, to their communities. And uh, we haven't given the states the money to deal with it. The states have a lot of increased expenses in trying to uh, get testing out for, for people for COVID, uh, helping the hospitals. The, the, the way we gave out money to hospitals in the CARES Act was also a disgrace. Uh, the, the legislation was very good, but uh, it was put in, in practice by the Trump administration, and they engineered it so that uh, the money went to hosp- went first to hospitals that had the largest number of Medicare patients. So every large academic medical center, every really big hospital chain, they got tons of money. Uh, whereas uh, the the safety net hospitals, the community hospitals, the rural hospitals that mostly serve Medicaid patients, low-income poor people got no money in the first round and were embarrassed. We embarrassed the authorities to make sure that money came uh, shortly after. And so they got their money later and uh, uh, 
you know, not very much compared to the really big hospitals. So I'm hoping that with the Biden here, with a commitment to equity and fairness and how funds are allocated, we're going to see a lot more help for small businesses, for women-owned okay. and black-owned businesses, which are the ones that have gone under at, at the greatest rate. Uh, it's okay. not just the job loss uh, that, that we were discussing, but it's all of these small businesses that are the, okay. the lifeblood of local communities. Got to interrupt because we got to take a short break right now. We'll rejoin the conversation shortly afterwards. I'm Kojo Nandi. It's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. Welcome back. We're talking about how this recession has disproportionately affected women and people of color. We're talking with Tazra Mitchell, Policy Director with the D.C. Fiscal Policy Institute, and Eileen Applebaum, Co-Director with the Center for Economic Policy, Economic and Policy Research. Eileen Applebaum, while many note that D.C. was shortchanged in federal relief money because we're not a state, more on that in a moment, but the district did use federal funding as part of a local $100 million relief package rolled out in November to get money to struggling businesses. How has the district done in terms of economic assistance, in your view? Well, I, I think you have to give the uh, district administration uh, a lot of credit in a very difficult uh, uh, period, uh, both in terms of trying to protect small businesses and businesses owned by uh, women and uh, blacks and people of color, and also in its COVID response Uh, I've really been impressed by the leadership here. Naturally, they need more money. They could use more money, but they've done a very good job of allocating what they have, much better than what was uh, written into uh, the various relief packages uh, that were passed. I mean, one of the the main uh, problems, especially as we were talking about the uh, job loss by women and women of color, uh, is that the... uh, the care infrastructure, the child care infrastructure completely broke down at the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, they, it was clear they were going to be closing down. They needed, they needed $50 billion just to maintain the patchwork of child care services that we have. They got $3.2 billion in the CARES Act, whereas the airline industry got $46 billion. It tells you something about the priorities of the previous administration. And so it's not just the women who lost their jobs because their places of work closed down. Uh, it is also the women who could not go to work because they had no way to uh, have their children cared for. So it's just it, it just multiplied, and a lot of what we're seeing in terms of losses, uh, in terms of the gains that women had made, and uh, the kinds of jobs they held, and in the kinds of earnings they could command, uh, this is being negatively affected by the fact that many many women have voluntarily, in a sense, I mean, forced by the pandemic, but they they've quit their jobs because there's no way 
uh, that they can have young children at home and, and go to work. It just, it just doesn't work. So I think the, the fact that the Biden administration has made the care economy one of its great priorities, it wants to, uh, in the short run, preserve what we have and in the long run, build back better so that we have really uh, you know, a, a, a gold standard child care, uh, child care system, which is okay. essential to the ability of uh, women and black and brown women in particular to work and to hold jobs. Here now is Terry in Silver Spring, Maryland. Terry, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. Still love you. Um, by the way, I am 82 years old. As you said, I live in Silver Spring. Montgomery County has done an excellent job of taking care of us senior citizens during this time, the whole COVID epidemic. However, I have a comment on the stimulus checks. It makes no sense to me that people on Social Security whose income didn't change when COVID hit, we didn't lose our jobs, we had the same amount of money coming in. We were managing, most of us, I assume, reasonably well. Why would we need a stimulus check? That money should have gone to people who were desperately in need of it. And that's basically my comment. Thank you very much. Care to comment on that, Tazra Tazra Mitchell? Sure. When we're facing deep, deep economic downturns like the one that we're facing right now, the best way to stimulate the economy and and shock it so that we can more quickly recover um, is is to make is to provide cash to to Americans it's the you know it's the quickest way to get money out it is you know and it, it, it was pretty well targeted um, I, I think that we can have a debate whether or not um, you know the hundred thousand dollar cap in the first round and then the seventy five thousand cap uh, in the second round, was too high or too low, but you know the best way to get money out quickly is is to do it um, is to try not to have too many uh, restraints because um, the more restraints you have, the less effective an economic stimulus check is. And a lot of people in social security social security actually have struggled to make ends meet. Um, uh, senior poverty is lower compared to child poverty and family poverty, but um, I, I think that. Uh, older adults are still suffering in this economic recession and getting them cash to support, to, to A, make ends meet, but to also to support the broader account, economy was a move in the right direction. Okay. Here, and Terry, Terry, thank you for your call and especially your sentiments about me. Here's uh, Cynthia in Washington, D.C. Cynthia, you're on the air. Go ahead, please. Hi, Kojo. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I had actually called in last week because I discovered from your show that about the um, funding available for landlords. So I'm very thankful for that. Um, but I have a small business. Um, it's a landscape design and gardening business on Capitol Hill. And um, it's a startup business. So I was supplementing my income as I built the business through my landlord income. And of course, all that went away when the pandemic hit. Um, I have a property um, near the beach that I was not able to rent during COVID, and I lost my tenant in my basement apartment. She went home to live with her parents, and I haven't been able to find anyone else. So, and uh, and landlord income is not covered by unemployment, so um, that's been the issue. Is you know I'm finding myself not even having unemployment and not. I had glitches with PPP funding, computer glitches, and I couldn't get 
through to anyone on the phone. And so, you know, I'm making ends meet, um, you know, because I do have a cushion and, but, you know, it's running out and, Just, well, mean, allow me to, allow me to have Eileen Applebaum address it because, Eileen, we're talking with someone who seems to be on the verge, so to speak, of falling through the cracks. Right. It is a tough situation. Uh, we have these moratoriums on evictions, uh, but in her case, she couldn't even find, she had uh, empty empty uh, spaces there and couldn't find anybody who would take them. And we have we do not have enough uh, help for the mom and pop Uh, uh, people who uh, uh, rent out uh, uh, properties. This is this is absolutely true. There was renter uh, assistance uh, in the uh, in the CARES Act, and uh, Biden has proposed more renters' assistance. This would allow renters who can't be evicted to claim money that they can pay to their landlord uh, to keep the landlords from going under, especially the small ones. But uh, that money, that money it was impossible to access. It's really true. Uh, my hometown is Philadelphia. And so I keep on top of what happens there just, you know, out of interest. And I discovered that despite the fact that there was rental assistance so that renters could pay their, 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 their rent, uh, that... Uh, Almost none of it was uh, was spent. It had to be given back to the government because it was so complicated to figure out how to get it, how to give it out. Uh, all of the things that your your caller was speaking about made it impossible. And for people who uh, are in her situation, where the renters are gone, uh, there's there's no uh, mortgage relief for them. So uh, this is this is very complicated. Uh, unless her bank is willing to do forbearance and tack on whatever is unpaid to the end of the mortgage period, uh, okay. that that's that's the only relief. There are some banks that are doing that, but. She's in a difficult situation. Indeed. Cynthia, thank you very much for your call. Tazra, we only have about a minute left, but we're entering budget season. So what are some specific things local governments can do right now to help people who are struggling? Sure. Um, you're right. We're in budget season in the district. Um, and in the district, like the states across the country, have to have balanced budgets. Um, unlike the federal government, which can run deficits, which is good in a, in a time like a recession, um, that way that they can stimulate the economy. But, you know, rule number one is, is not to cut the budget. You know, we cannot cut our way out of a recession. We have to make sure that we're addressing the, the looming child care crisis, homelessness crisis. We have 6,500 homeless, homeless residents in the district who need permanent supportive housing. Um, and we also have an affordable housing crisis. And so the, the worst thing that you can do during a recession as a state government is, is cut because that takes money out of the local economy. It makes it harder for people to meet basic needs. And it, and it just overall slows economic growth. So what lawmakers should be doing is making sure that they support small businesses, but also support the needs of the district residents. Um, and part of that is raising revenues uh, okay. to address our budget shortfalls so that we can build back better and more just recovery. Tazra Mitchell is the policy director with the D.C. Fiscal Policy Institute. Eileen Applebaum is the co-director with the Center for Economic and Policy Research. Thank you both for joining us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll look at potential solutions to this economic crisis. I'm Kojo Namdi.
WAMU 88.5 is your listener-supported NPR news station in the greater Washington, D.C. region. You can support the Kojo Namdi Show and all the regional coverage you value by becoming a member today. Click the Donate button at WAMU.org and thanks.